Here we go. It's episode four of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the NBA edition, of course, featuring myself, Joe Serralo, and my man, Mackenzie Rivers. Catch him on Twitter at Mackin Rivers. Catch me on Twitter at the Joe Serralo and on Instagram, of course, at Joe Serralo. Mackenzie, what's up, my man? How you feeling? Feeling great, living the dream. It was a choppy Christmas for for me, not only because, uh, well, I just went three and three in the NBA, but it sounds like. I couldn't be too mired in my troubles because you had a little bit more of a of a less than ideal Christmas. Yeah, you, you can definitely say that. Well, you know, we open pretty much every show. This is episode four. We've opened episodes two, three, and now episode four by talking about COVID in the NBA. But I have recently entered COVID protocols as Christmas Eve morning. I tested positive, so I spent my Christmas day uh, in bed watching the NBA like anyone would want to spend Christmas, I'm sure. But uh, good news, totally asymptomatic. And uh, just after seeing today's new CDC guidelines, I will actually be done with quarantine tomorrow because the CDC has said if you're asymptomatic, you can cut down your quarantine and isolation period from 10 days to five. The NBA has said that you can cut it down per Woj's report today to six days uh, if you enter the COVID protocols with quarantine and whatnot, but if you're asymptomatic and you're vaccinated, that 10-day period goes down to a six-day period. So great news for me, great news for a lot of ailing teams around the association, McKenzie. Isn't that a beat-all? The NBA continues to beat life by about 12 hours. I mean, it was in March 2020 (laughs) where we all realized how big of a deal COVID was and was going to be after they shut down the NBA. Here we are in December 2021. I find out that the CDC has a new, you know, national guideline on what to do when you have COVID. Four hours ago, the Associated Press reports you just mentioned, the NBA mimicking life, or maybe we're mimicking the NBA, has almost the exact same deal. CDC said 10 to 5. Now the NBA says 10 days. I guess they're a little more precautious. Six days if you're vaccinated, doing all the right things. But you, like many of these NBA players, many of these young bucks like yourself, does it feel like, I mean, would you even know there was, I mean, I've, I told AJ this, AJ Hoffman here at the studios, I've probably COVID six or seven times. Like, who would know? Who <laughs> would honestly know? You say you feel nothing as far as symptoms. I felt absolutely nothing. Look, we got tested. Everyone in my family took one Christmas Eve morning. We were supposed to see grandma. Now, she is vaccinated and boosted the whole nine yards like myself. But, you know, being that she's in her late 70s, we just wanted to be safe before the holidays. And of course, my test was the only one that came back positive. Naturally, I didn't believe it because I felt fine. Took another test right away. That was also positive. Took another one uh, Sunday. That was also positive. So I'm three for three. Uh, there's no doubt that I have it. But yeah, I feel amazing. I mean, the the only part that's killing me is the mental part of being boxed up in uh, in my bedroom. That that's That's the nightmarish part. Well, here's the good news. You're three for three on this podcast, three and oh. Let's go. Best bets a little bit later. Let's get into it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll get to those. I'm looking to go 4-0, and but let's get to some storylines first because the LA Lakers, Mackenzie, are they going to miss the damn playoffs? I, I mean, you've got the numbers, right? You're the Ivy League guy, the Yale grad. You've got the projections, the odds, the algorithms, but how are things looking for the Los Angeles Laker playoff picture, Mackenzie? Here's the thing about the uh, intelligentsia, as RJ likes to call it 
the people that like to tout that they went to Ivy Leagues and all that, they are petrified of looking as dumb and as simple as a simple number on a screen and being pinned to that. And they'll often find all kinds of qualifiers to tell you that this is my number, but, but, but. Well, the 538 people have quite the explaining to do because either they're right and the Vegas market is presenting a gigantic opportunity for us to take advantage of, or there's something very, very wrong with their projections. Before Christmas, the Lakers were at 30% to make the playoffs. They lose a barn burner 122 to 115 to the Brooklyn Nets. Now 538 projects the Lakers have a one in five chance, only 20% to make the playoff. Now, Lakers fans, don't, don't swerve off the side of the road because Vegas, I mean, Mark Jackson said this on the air, they're making the playoffs. Vegas is a lot more simplistic like Mark Jackson about this. LeBron, Westbrook, at some point they're going to find themselves in the playoffs. That's what Vegas says because Vegas gives the Lakers a 70% chance to make the playoffs. Minus 270, you got to bet, to win 100 on the Lakers to make the playoffs. So I'm just going to lay out the disparity one more time and I'll get your thoughts on it. Leading analytic model from 538. Has all the Lakers power ratings, has all the Lakers schedule coming up. They have one of the more harder, they have one of the hardest schedules in the league remaining because the NBA always sets up the Lakers with really, really easy games in their first 20, kind of like a home, kind of like a honeymoon period. Every year, the Lakers have really, really easy home games to start off the year. Same thing this year, except this year they're 500. And now they got the hard part of their schedule coming up down the stretch. So again, 538 analytical model says Lakers 20% chance to make the playoffs. Vegas odds say 70% or three and a half times as good of a shot. Obviously, we're talking about the final eight here. So with the play-in, are they going to be 10-9? The only thing we're, these odds are referring to are the final eight that play the first round of the playoffs. What do you think? Are you with the model that says the Lakers long-distance shot to make the playoffs? Or with you? are you with... Uh, Mark Jackson and the Vegas odds. Let's say the Lakers make it almost every time. This is LeBron James we're talking about. I'm with my man Mark Jackson 10 times out of 10 here. I, I mean, look, no no disrespect to the Ivy Leaguers. And by the way, just one disclaimer I want to make. I don't think through our first four episodes, I have heard McKenzie mention that he went to Yale once. Every episode it comes up and every episode I'm the one bragging on his behalf. So just for our listeners out there, I want to clear that up. I'm the one bragging about my co-host because... I went to St. Bonaventure, which, of course, us Bonnies refer to as St. C's. So I'm bragging about McKenzie's credentials here. Um, I'm with Mark Jackson a thousand percent on this one. You know, I love 538 and and I'm also McKenzie. Not a lot of people know this about me, but I'm almost equally as into politics as I am sports. I've actually done uh, election broadcasts, uh, my college television station. I was doing the the Kornacki screen, breaking down counties in Michigan during the Democratic primaries a year ago. I'm a politics buff, and I love 538, but they could not have missed the mark more in the 2016 election when they gave Hillary, what, like a 96% chance at winning. They could not have missed the mark more when they did their World Series odds uh, with the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs, and they said that the Indians had it locked up. Uh, 538 has proven in the past five years or so to be wrong on several occasions. 
And I believe that they are dead wrong here, giving the Lakers just a 20% chance. Look, have the Lakers played horrible basketball? They absolutely have. Uh, LeBron James has not, though. LeBron James has played great ball. And Russ is sooner or later going to either get in line or get out because LeBron is playing his ass off and the Lakers are too good to be 16 and 18 right now. Uh, they're too good to have lost to a Durantless Brooklyn Nets team on Christmas Day. And they're going to make the playoffs. I don't mean just the final 10, the top 10. I mean that if you put LeBron in a one-game playoff, they're making it to the round of eight. So the Lakers are going to be fine. I don't know how far they're going to go. I certainly don't see them in the finals, even in the conference finals this year. Uh, but they are absolutely going to be in the top half of the Western Conference when things are said and done. Strong words. Strong words. Words I tend to agree with. As much as I like the intelligentsia, there's 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 a there's a gremlin in this model. Just put some context on it. Six there's six teams that are 75% chance enough to make the playoffs. Then we get to number seven, the Clippers at 60%. Number eight, the Timberwolves at 50%. Then the Blazers at 45, Spurs at 35, and the Lakers at 20. The model's broken when it says the Spurs have a better chance to make the playoffs than the Lakers, despite having a worse record, because there's such a thing as priors, there's such a thing as we know how good these collection of talents are, let alone how good these teams end up being, and you mentioned it. Westbrook has not been good. LeBron, last few games, averaging 30 a game, great shooting. For the first time in his career, he's dropped five in a row. He said all the right things after the game. I like the way Westbrook's efforting. Everyone misses shots. There's only, you know, you, you put the work in. He lost five games in a row for the first time in his career. I think we know LeBron well enough, the kind of competitor he is. He's not going to let sleeping dogs lie. He's not going to take that quietly. I could definitely see a Westbrook trade in the very, very near future. But I don't like the Lakers no plus 210 here. I don't think there's a third, there's a, uh, even a 35% chance they miss the playoffs. The Spurs, the Blazers, the Timberwolves, the Clippers even, you get them in a round, round by round. I don't care if the Lakers have to win two games back to back. Their current models are not cognizant of how good, how great this upside Lakers is. One way or another, they're going to find a way to get there. So I'd love to say, yeah, bet plus 210. They're not going to make the playoffs. The model says it's 80% winner. We're getting plus 210, but it's not. It's probably somewhere in the middle, but it's much closer to the Vegas odds on this one. Yeah, I mean, you're telling me that a model right now is showing the Trailblazers have a better chance. I mean, the Blazers are 13 and 19 straight up. So they're two games behind the Lakers in the standings. And I know that they went some time without Dame Lillard, of course. But on the road, Portland is 2 and 12. They're oh. the worst team in basketball on the road, bar maybe the Detroit Pistons. I mean, I think, yeah, the, the Pistons, I'm looking at it right now, are the only team worse than Portland on the road. And they've got, by the way, the same number of wins, just the Pistons have three more losses. I, I mean, and you're going to tell me with a straight face that they have a better chance at making the playoffs than LeBron James. And don't forget, Anthony Davis will be back. And, you know, it may be too little too late in terms of seeding and how deep of a run they can make, but they're going to be at the worst case in the top 10. And if they are in that seven to 10 range, just like last year, well, they're going to win the play-in game. LeBron is not losing a play-in game. Look, I, I know a week ago, we watched the Timberwolves on Friday night on ESPN embarrass the Lakers. Well, if it's Lakers-T-Wolves in a play-in game, 
the the embarrassment's going to be going the other way around. I mean, it's just I think about the way LeBron played on Christmas. I, I mean, he was absolutely out of his mind. Incredible. Nearly dropped a 40 piece, nearly had a triple double, played 40 minutes. And by the way, the Lakers who lost by seven, they were plus nine in those 40 minutes that he played, meaning in the eight minutes he didn't play, they were an absolutely abysmal minus 16. But nothing's wrong with LeBron. Now, Westbrook's the problem. You know, he can take his triple double and shove it. I don't want to hear triple double when you're four of 20 from the field and you let Patty Mills score a career high 34 and pour in eight threes. I mean, I love Patty Mills, but he ain't that guy. He's really good. He ain't 34 points, eight of 13 from deep good. And Russ was just, you know, he was atrocious. And I love Russ and I defend Russ to the masses all the time, but there's no defending that performance. LeBron is putting this team on his back right now. And eventually they're going to get right and they're going to be in the playoffs. You nailed it. You're finding the rotations that LeBron's not on the floor to be critical. Minus 16 in nine minutes is not going to get it done. I think that they're finding the right pieces around LeBron and Westbrook just might not be one of them. It was funny on the broadcast when he got a triple double there. Uh, I think it was uh Breen who was like, yep, he started off cold, but found his way into a triple double. He continued to be cold. He was icy throughout <laughs> the contest. Four for 20 is like maybe once in a season you can be that bad, but I don't think anyone was that surprised that this Westbrook at this point in his career just isn't that complimentary piece. But I think they are going to find those complimentary pieces, whether they're on this team right now or not. And if you have a, a top 10 player in the world, you're going to be a huge favorite in a do or die contest. Like they're going to be up against the Blazers. I know Dame is also a top 10 guy in the world, but the Blazers have looked like one of the worst teams in basketball. I don't care what the strength of schedule says down the stretch. The model's dead wrong. The Lakers have a much better chance than the Blazers to make the playoffs. Yeah, they, they absolutely do. You know, I'm really glad I didn't bet that Lakers game Christmas Day because I'm looking at no Durant, and, and I know that there's no Anthony Davis, but I'm looking, you know, best for best, right? Because in the, in the NBA, you can look best for best. You can make it about two guys. And I'm like, LeBron versus Harden, I'm ready to jump on Lakers minus one and a half. But then I remembered that I jumped on the Lakers minus one against Minnesota, and it bit me. And I had already hit my one big bet for the NBA on Christmas Day, which I'll get into shortly. So I stayed away. But one game that was a part of this bet was the Milwaukee Bucks. Incredible comeback win over Boston. Giannis Antetokounmpo going absolutely beast mode in the second half. I mean, McKenzie, you know, the Bucks they haven't been pretty so far this year. But is this a team that can work its way into maybe the one seed in the Eastern Conference? Oh, absolutely. Zach Lowe said right now, and he's not a better, but no one's plugged into the ins and outs and thinks about it as uh, thoughtfully as former, as fellow Ivy Leaguer Zach Lowe. And he said they should be the NBA betting favorites. Dartmouth guy, by the way, Zach Lowe. They should be the NBA title favorites, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, I, I took a back, but he laid out the case, and it's a pretty strong one. Giannis missed... How many games? Four games, uh, health and safety protocols recently. Wasn't himself early to start this year. Chris Middleton was lost a couple of weeks. Drew Holiday wasn't still on uh, the team to start the year. Yet they find themselves with a top six net rating, cleaning the glass model. Top 10 offense, top 10 defense. They have all the pieces from their from their previous championship team 
And Giannis at 27 might just be still climbing into that pantheon because he hadn't practiced. He hadn't run a suicide. He hadn't done anything for more than 10 days. Had to be more than 10 days with the old with the old protocols. Now he could get back sooner. But he hadn't done anything, and he was experiencing symptoms. Yet it was like the NBA Finals all over again. Extended knee, broken this, whatever. I'm just going to make 12 points in the fourth quarter. And he guarded the Nets, I mean, sorry, the Celtics, the best player throughout the fourth quarter, whether it was Tatum with the ball, Brown with the ball. He's no longer just a great off-the-ball defender, Giannis is. He's a great on-the-ball defender. Adding that element to his game made the difference down the stretch. The Celtics missed eight of their last nine shots. I know this because I had a a Celtics plus three and a half ticket before the line move, before Giannis came back in, ended up somehow miraculously losing by four, but that's neither here nor there. Giannis was the game changer I feared. That's why I bet on him on the team before I knew he was in the lineup. When he was announced, I'm like, okay, plus six and a half, plus seven. I want no part of the Celtics, even though they covered because I don't want to get in front of that freight train, literally. Well, I'll tell you what. You had Boston plus three and a half. I had Milwaukee minus three and a half in this one. So I'm <laughs> I'm so sorry. But the way I had them was in a teaser because I did not like okay. seven and a half. Now, look, we had talked about these two teams met not too long ago. This was already their third meeting this season. Game two, we had talked about how game one, The Celtics embarrassed Milwaukee in Boston, but there was no Giannis. So game two, we're like, all right, they're going to Boston. Giannis is playing this time. The last time he took off because it was a back-to-back, he's not going to let them lose twice at TD Garden. Well, what did they do? They lost twice at TD Garden. So my logic going into Christmas Day is like, all right, the Milwaukee Bucks are not about to go 0-3 against the Boston Celtics this season. But 7.5 was a big number. I didn't love it. And I'm not one to do money line bets. You know, I'm not going to go minus 200, just those odds. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So I teased him down to minus three and a half, paired him with the Warriors plus 10, because I'm like, anytime you're giving me the Warriors getting 10 points, like, hell yes. And it was a hell of a sweat out when they were down 19 at one point. But you talk about Giannis's 12 points in the fourth quarter, 29 points in the second half. He had 29 in the second half. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, combined for 30 in the second half. I mean, Giannis was incredible, but his signature moment might not have been any of those 29 second half points. His signature moment in my books, especially not just for the win, but for the cover, you talk about Boston missing eight of their last nine shots. Well, Giannis's signature moment to me was blocking that Robert Williams dunk when Boston had a two-on-one inside the final two minutes, and Giannis sent that dunk flying. That was his signature moment to me unbelievable play reminded me of a block he had in the finals because it's a double jump he has to respect Jason Tatum's drive he kind of hops in his way and within a half second literally less than 0.4 seconds later he's a foot above the rim blocking Robert Williams at the pinnacle as our guy Mark Jackson likes to say just I mean it's not hyperbole to talk about him and the great rim defenders Hakeem Olajuwon types as far as his physical attributes, we haven't seen a seven-footer with these kind of quicks. We just haven't seen it. No, no. With these quicks, with these hops, I mean, Giannis will go up on the backboard. He'll take a quarter. He'll leave you two dimes and a nickel up there. I, I mean, we saw it in the All-Star game last year, his ups. They're, they're absolutely insane. And, you know, we tend to love the shorter guys 
who can do these insane dunks and have these insane hops. You know, Nate Robinson, of course, speaking as a Knicks fan, even though he did spend some time with your Bulls as well. He was always a fan favorite, you know, kryptonite, uh, beating Dwight Howard in the dunk contest. And people always would rather see, understandably so, the five foot eight guy dunk as opposed to the 6'11 guy. But Giannis is 6'11", seven feet tall and as good a jumper as Zach Levine, as Obi Toppin, as anyone in the league. I mean, his gifts mixed with his talent, it's just, it's freakish. It's Shaq minus 100 pounds with uh, with LeBron's athleticism. I mean, it's it's absolutely unfair. <laughs> That's the only way to put it. No doubt about it. The Bucks still 9-1 to one to win it all, third favorite. So Zach Lowe, if you believe in him, if you think the Bucks are the title favorites, but to me, still the Nets and the Warriors are, are the teams to beat. Yeah, and I think we talked about this last episode. I would go Warriors or Phoenix if I'm going to bet. Uh, don't trust Brooklyn at the end of the day. And with Milwaukee, I trust them to come out of the East. I just don't know. They just played the longest, latest season in NBA history. Uh, I just It's hard enough to repeat in a normal year, given the times we're in right now and the incredibly abbreviated offseason they just had. I, I don't see them repeating. I could see them getting there, but at the end of the day, uh, I think a Phoenix or a Golden State are the two best bets when it comes to finals. By the way, those two played each other on Christmas Day. Golden State plus 10 was the second leg of my teaser. Can we talk about these two teams, specifically the Warriors? Spent a lot of time last episode talking about the Suns. They got Booker back, how, uh, how good of a team they are to bet when they're at full health, full strength. But the Warriors, I mean, you know, we've known all season long They've been the second best team to bet on in terms of, you know, taking a side, betting on Golden State against the spread. Only the Cavs are more successful in terms of betting an under Golden State, the best team to bet on. But can we call them? Is it safe to say that they are the top dogs in the NBA after the way that they stuck it to Phoenix on Christmas? Undoubtedly, they did it without Andrew Wiggins, without Iguodala, key pieces for them. And here's here's the simplest way I can put why Golden State has surpassed Phoenix, I think clearly a point head and shoulders above the Suns right now. Golden State number one in the league. Offense, net rating by cleaning the glass. Nets are fourth. Phoenix is eighth. Warriors better. Defense, Warriors number one. 103 points allowed per 100 possessions. Phoenix number two. 104. So literally any way you want to splice it, why, do the, why did the Suns up until Christmas have a better overall record well they up until christmas they had been plus 49 net rating in crunch time they had been by far the best crunch time team and that was the story of this game it was two points with five minutes left they had to bring curry back in after a late suns run and it wasn't curry it was the way the golden state plays any man can step up the often forgot about auto porter with a 7-0 personal run to end it, any man, any day, Golden State won in 2015 with this, with the motto, strength in numbers. They found another number to throw on the board. Yes, Golden State, best team in the NBA by my ratings, and I think by any logical ratings, best team in the league. Well, uh, my man, as much as I love to debate you and disagree with you and argue with you, you just hit every nail on the head, right? Like I have three points to make as to why Golden State is the best team in the league. And you touched on all three of those points. The first of which is what you were just talking about with Otto Porter Jr. The reason the Warriors are far and away right now the best team in basketball is because they just took down their their competition, the Phoenix Suns, 
their competition for the title, best team in the NBA, they took him down with Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton II leading the way as Steph's complimentary pieces. You, you mentioned no Wiggins, no Iguodala. Look, obviously, no Clay Thompson. He's been out all year. No Jordan Poole, who you can argue, who I will argue, has been the second most important warrior this season. They had Draymond, who is a do-it-all guy, but he is not a scorer. And they had Steph. And outside of him, outside of those two, specifically Steph, it was Otto Porter stepping up. It was Gary Payton the second stepping up. And, and to take down the Suns, who were at full strength, who had Ayton, Booker, Chris Paul, their their big three fully intact, uh, there's no way you can argue at this point that Phoenix, or anyone for that matter, is better than Golden State. And, and the final point is that defense, right? Uh, I mean, this Warriors defense is so underrated, underappreciated, under-talked about. You know, everyone talks about that, about that fifth-ranked scoring offense, right? And how they can light it up, and they shoot the three, and Jordan Poole is the third splash brother, and all that but they have the league's top scoring defense. They allow 101 points per game. I think the number you just gave was 103 points per 100 possessions. Top scoring defense any way you slice it. And that is what makes them that mixed with the fifth ranked offense is what makes them clearly the best team in the NBA. I mean, you know, like you said, at this point, it just, it can't even be close because they took down their competition and they weren't even close to being fully healthy. You got to wonder what the Suns' mindset is. Down 12 at the half to Memphis Grizzlies. If there were any debate, and I think we just ended it, the Suns' poor first half on this particular Monday ended it. Suns two, or at least two. Maybe Jazz could arguably be two or Milwaukee. But until otherwise, what's crazy is that Klay Thompson hasn't played a, a down, I wanted to say. Hasn't, <laughs> I heard that coming. <laughs> hasn't played a minute for this team, and for the last – 10 years, I would argue he's been the low-key second most important player for the Warriors. So as a fan of the way they play, I'm excited for the playoffs. I think they'll be making some waves. Good stuff. Yeah, and by the way, we've got a cash-in to announce. I'm just looking at this final. Bulls 130, Hawks 118. I took Chicago minus four and a half. I was kind of surprised the line was, was that close. I mean, you've got Atlanta with 10 guys in health and safety protocols at the moment. Of course, Trey Young, one of them. DeAndre Hunter out with an injury, not even with COVID. Uh, I mean, the Hawks are playing with uh, with a straight G League roster outside of Cam Reddish, who had a great game. Uh, I mean, it's an unrecognizable lineup. I was really surprised the Bulls were only four and a half point favorites. Oddsmakers can't get on top of all these movements. Last week, I had the Celtics, another pass post, yay, we won uh, type of conversation. But hey, this is relevant. You just mentioned it. The Celtics were only five and a half versus the Cavs. The Cavs were without like five of their top eight rotation players. That was my three-star max play last week. We improved a seven and one on three-star plays in the NBA because that was dumb. The Celtics should have been double-digit favorites, and they actually won by exactly 10, which is where my projections had it. So, yeah, pass post, pat myself on the back. But, hey, it is an important point. There are going to be lines coming up in the next few days. The Cavs just won by 40 against the Raptors, who were without five or six players. If you're paying attention, the odds makers are not aware of what that five on five is going to look like once it actually tips off. I think if you sharpen your pencil, you can project that out a lot better than the computer model. Well, let's take a look right now. We've got a final. This one's really fresh. The Timberwolves just beat Boston 108 to 103. So let's dive into some games that we're looking at this week. Wednesday night, 
Clippers, Celtics. The Clippers are still yet to play tonight as we're recording. They host the Nets, of course. By the time you out there listen to this, uh, that game will have reached its final. But the Celtics, that final score is just in. They play host to the Clippers on Wednesday. You're projecting Boston as a two and a half point favorite. Now, they will be without Jason Tatum. They will likely be without Marcus Smart. Uh, But they will have Jalen Brown. The Clippers, of course, not COVID-related, but Paul George is out with an injury. So no George, no Tatum. Celtics minus two and a half. What are you looking for in this game Wednesday night? I think this is an illustration of the difference that coaching makes. Because I think a lot of teams in the Clippers position really find would find no answers, at least in the short term, when you immediately lose your top two scorers, your top two ball handlers and Reggie Jackson out. Paul George out for at least the next four weeks. But the Clippers, you remember last year's playoffs, Ty Lue had an answer, had an adjustment. Kawhi went down, had an answer, had an adjustment. Was able to find a way to take Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, and make him look like a liability. We saw last game, the first game without Paul George for the Clippers. They clawed and they fought their way back into it. Ended up covering the three and a half number, only lost by three. So to me, I look live at the Clippers. Otherwise, I'm looking to fade them because, like I just said, they're out. Reggie Jackson, down if they're big, I mean, because I think they have a team that has a lot of different options, can find something that works. But in the short term, pregame, I like to fade the Clippers because I don't see anyone on this roster that can create consistent offense. Unlike the Celtics, who even without Tatum and Marcus Smart, Still have Jalen Brown, who's, you know, a guy I can give the ball and the defense has to respect. You know, I I tend to be with you there. But looking at right now, this box score just came in as a final. Like I said, T-Wolves 108, Celtics 103. And, and I'm looking at this box score. And the Timberwolves right now are ravaged with COVID and they are unrecognizable. And I'm thinking even without Smart, even without Tatum, you know, the Celtics still have Jalen Brown. Peyton Pritchard had a great game, dropped 24. They still have Al Horford, you know, and I'm just so confused as to how they lost the game. The Timberwolves were without Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards. I mean, this is an unrecognizable Timberwolves lineup that they ran out there. And yet Jalen Noel off the bench, I'll be fully transparent here. And I'm sorry if this makes me look bad, but I don't know who he is. And he dropped 29, shooting six of nine from beyond the arc. I mean. What is he? He's a a rookie out of Washington. Uh, I mean, oh no, I'm sorry, not a rookie. He was their second round pick in 2019. All right, so so he's been on the team a couple years, but I'm sure this is the the only game of note he's ever had in the NBA. And and this is what's happening right now with COVID. It's like, how did the Celtics lose this game? I know that they're bad on the road, and that's the only saving grace, the only reason why I'm inclined to agree with you and take them minus two and a half because they come home to play the Clippers, who start a cross country road trip. But it's like, Boston, I don't care what your home road splits are. You should have, forget cover, you should have won this game tonight against Minnesota. But looking at this Boston Clippers game, you've got the Clippers starting a cross-country road trip. We all know how taxing and difficult those are and how most teams stink whenever they go across the country. But against the spread, LA 15-18 and going into this Nets contest. After a loss, which, you know, nothing's done, I'm going to assume they lose to Brooklyn. And so that'll put them at 6-10 and 10 against the spread after a loss. They're currently 6-9. and nine. In non-conference games going into this Nets matchup, 2-5 and five against the spread. And without Paul George, 
They've been without him seven times going into this Nets matchup. Three and four against the spread. Ironically, they've already played Boston without Paul George. They beat Boston and covered. They were still one and a half point favorites, uh, but they beat him by three without Paul George on December 8th. That was in LA. Now they go to Boston. I think the Celtics return the favor. The Celtics, after a loss, are 10 and seven against the spread. When they're favored, they're 11 and nine. When they have equal rest, which they will have with the Clippers, they're 10 and eight. And in non-conference games, well, they were six and five. Now they're six and six. Uh, But the Celtics, a much better home team, both against the spread and straight up than they are a road team. And so with a line as close as Celtics minus two and a half, you and I always talk about how, you know, in the NBA with free throws at the end of the game, it's like anything between a pick and three and a half, you might as well just go with whoever you think is going to win outright. Uh, I would go Celtics even without Tatum minus two and a half. I think we have our answer. I think we've we've talked through this game because, like I said, I, I'm looking to fade the Clippers. I think they're out of pocket even more than the market realizes right now. But I told you, I think the Clippers are a live team where if they're down 15, I like them. I think they 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 stick in these games. I think Ty Lue Ty with man, with some of the younger players, has this bond right now where they're going to give it their full all even when they're out of it. So the Clippers are 25th in first quarter margin. So that means there's a good chance. That tells me there's a good chance that Boston gets out of the gates early. I do like them two and a half. Short favorite. Guessing the number comes right around then. And then once they're up 15, hey, no problem at all. Play the Clippers plus 14 and a half the other way. And sit back and and try to catch a middle there. I think we've adequately handicapped this game. I think we got one or two or maybe even three winners out of this. Yeah, yeah, we we, we very well might. I, I mean, you know, look, it's always tough when you're dealing with projected lines, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head with this one. Because there's no Tatum, will probably be no smart. You know, Celtics at home should be favored. I like the slim margin. And they got to be reeling coming off a loss at Minnesota. Probably slept through that game after it's such a difficult game on Christmas. They were five-point favorites Monday night at Minnesota. That's got to leave a bad taste in their mouth. I think we get a very motivated team Wednesday, Boston. Absolutely. This is their game to collect themselves. I think they get on track Tuesday night. If you're just listening when this episode drops, tonight, Nuggets at the Warriors. I don't think anyone expected the Nuggets, similarly to the Lakers, to be as bad as they are right now. 16-16, and playing 500 basketball, and the Warriors right now are projecting as eight-point favorites, which I think is a pretty big number when you're dealing with two teams that in recent years, have been used to making the conference finals. So Golden State, minus eight. The over-under is 220.5. What angles are you looking at this game from? Well, the Vegas market is pretty much on top of it because I've made some very, very major adjustments downward to the Nuggets in recent weeks, and my numbers have it at seven. So maybe not as drastic enough because the Nuggets are completely ravaged right now. It's really Jokic versus the world. I'm looking at their projected starting five. Here are the players that are not going to be there from the beginning of the season. Obviously, Joel Murray's not going to be there, starting point guard. Other starting guard, Monte Morris, out, not going to be there. Starting small forward, Aaron Gordon. He's out at least a couple more games. Jeff Green, non-factor, and Nikola Jokic. What betting angles am I looking at? Well, Nikola Jokic just had another 20-point 20 rebound game. It seems to me that right now with the way it's currently set up, Jokic is the uh, alpha and omega of that team. Because of that, 
I have to think his efficiency is very, very prone. We saw this with Kevin Durant. When the usage gets too up, too high, efficiency can't stake with it. So if efficiency drops, I think there will be definitely places to look at points under, but rebounds and assists over because those are effort stats. Those are something if, if you have a certain role in a certain team, you're going to be able to get your points and rebounds. You're going to get your opportunities for those stats. 14 rebounds per game the last 10, seven assists per, the, per game the last 10. Cashed his over-rebounds and assists combined eight of the last 10. So I think that is the particular stat I'd be looking at as far as a prop bet. Jokic rebounds and points going forward over. In this matchup versus Draymond Green and the Warriors, I'm not sure if we get the pace that we would need for a great bet, but in general, Nuggets games going forward, I think rebounds and assists over for Jokic is something to look at. Well, here's something that might help that. Draymond Green on Sunday, December 26th, went into health and safety protocols. So that's more rebounds for Jokic to grab right there. And and I do like that. If you're looking from a prop perspective, I think a Jokic rebound number is a really good number to hammer because the Warriors don't have size. And Jokic is the focal point for everything that goes through the Nuggets. Good, bad, ugly, defensive, offensive. It's all going through Jokic at this point because everyone else, like you said, has either gotten hurt or fallen off and been a non-factor. And so... I think if you're going prop perspective, you're right on there with Jokic. I'm so glad you let me know that on December 26th, Draymond Green went to COVID protocols because this is a trend I recently discovered that makes so much sense. I don't know how I didn't discover it before. The Warriors are a completely different team when Draymond is out, not because he's so important to the line, although he's very important, but because of the way they play, the message that it sends to the team. You look at the pace, you look at the defense, all the points scoring for both teams go way up when Draymond Green is not in the game. Last 10 times he's missed, which is all the games he missed last year, plus one, two games this year, eight overs, only two unders. So you put that together, a higher paced, higher scoring game without his biggest competitor for rebounds and on defense, that makes me love, I said I didn't really like it because of the slower pace. Without Green, I love Jokic to get a bunch of rebounds and assists. Got to wait till when the number comes out. But if it comes out at 17 and a half like it usually does, I love Jokic to go over in a fast-paced game without Draymond Green. Jokic doing everything that he can do to keep the this, this very, very undermanned Nuggets team afloat. Oh, yeah, 17 and a half on – you said that was rebounds and assists, 17 and a half? Check that. should be 19 and a half on average, yeah. Okay, okay, because I was going to say, I, I, I'm taking that to go over 20. Uh, I mean, 17 and a half seemed generous. That, that seemed like a gimme, uh, you know, to think he'd get something like 12 rebounds, 8, 9 assists. I, I mean, I think that's going to go over 20. So I'm with you. I absolutely love that too. Looking at the side, looking at the total, you've got Denver, who is the third worst team against the spread in basketball. You look at the worst teams in basketball against the spread, and they're some of the best teams from a season ago. You know, the Nets, the Lakers, the Nuggets. So the Nuggets, third worst team against the spread, 13 and 19. After a win, 6 and 9, not good. Uh, on the road, 7 and 11, not good. These are all near the bottom of the league in their respective categories. 7 and 9 as an underdog. Uh, this one's abysmal with a rest disadvantage, which they're going to have 4 and 8 against the spread. And then against their own conference, just 6 and 12. So the Nuggets have been an amazing team to fade, an awful team to bet on this year. 
And then you know the deal with the Warriors. Right behind Cleveland, second best team in almost every category. 16-2 and at home straight up. 21-10 and overall against the spread. 67.7% cover rate right there. After a win, they're 15-9. and That's fourth. At home, they're 13-4 and against the spread. That's third. Uh, 18-8 and when they're favored. That's third. As a home favorite, 13 and four, that's second. With two to three days off, they're five and one, tied for the best with Cleveland. And then the third best team to bet on with a rest advantage, six and two against the spread. I just don't like that it's a big number. I just don't like that right now they're coming in at minus eight and there's no Draymond Green to slow things down or neutralize the Nuggets. That's uh, not a number I like, even though all the trends are telling me Nuggets suck against the spread. Golden State's one of the best that you should bet Golden State, but I don't like that number. One of the trends that you just pointed out illuminated something that I had been thinking about and, and made me more confident in it, in that the Yoke, the Jokic-led Nuggets are far better in the first half this year because they're catching teams by surprise. Nobody plays like the Nuggets. Nobody plays like Jokic. We see that their top five and first half margin they're, they're number 28 in the league, the third worst team in the league in second half margin. And I thought, well, Jokic only has so much in the tank. Eventually, teams figure him out. Teams able to stifle him. Well, what you just said, versus their own conference, teams that play them four times a year, they're only 6-12 and 12 against the number, 33%. And it's because, yeah, if you know what the Nuggets are going to do, they're a very they're like an option team in college football. They're very, very predictable, but a lot of teams don't see it. So if you get the Nuggets on an East Coast road trip, there might be some value there facing teams that don't really know how to handle the beast that is Nikola Jokic. Yeah, absolutely. As far as betting on this game itself, you know, that this one does stifle me a bit because like I said, I've been hammering the Warriors all year and I, I've been winning most of the year when I take Golden State. But it's a big number that I'm not a fan of. And even though this goes against everything that you said with Draymond Green being out and it being a faster paced game and, you know, more opportunities to run and gun and how the over is eight and two in Golden State's last 10 without Draymond Green. I'm going to make my best bet right now and I'm going to make it the under 220 and a half. I'm going under 220 and a half. I just, I don't see three point shooting from this Nuggets team. I think Golden State uh, is without, you know, not talking about Draymond, but talking about Jordan Poole and and Wiggins. I think that minus Steph Curry, Golden State's without a lot of threats from beyond the arc. And I think Denver is going to put everything that they have into neutralizing Steph Curry in this one. I think there's going to be a lot of twos shot in this game, a lot of twos made in this game. And I think it's going to go under 220 and a half. You know what, McKenzie? I'm looking right now. And I just refreshed my screen. I had a screen open from about five hours ago when I was doing my prep. And I currently have Golden State minus six. So the total is still the same. I'm still showing it. It went down from 220 and a half to 220 that I'm looking at. And I'm showing minus six. And so even though I really like that under, whether it's 220 or 220 and a half, Golden State minus six is enough for me to take it. And to hammer it, six is a lot better than eight in this case. I'm going to go Warriors minus six, McKenzie. I'm going to make that my best bet. Lock it up. Joe Sorallo goes for 4-0. and All right. 
I guess we've done it. We've entered that portion of proceedings. I'm going to go give you my best bet. It will be Tuesday night. We are going to Houston, and I am taking, we talked about them earlier, the L.A. Lakers, minus four and a half right now at the Houston Rockets. This is pretty simple. My power ratings make it five. That's docking the Rockets two points for the uh, back-to-back that they're currently on Monday night, recording Monday night. I don't think the power ratings, or I know that my power ratings, don't get into the head of LeBron James and say, hey, you just lost five straight games in a row, pal. What are you going to do about it? Well, LeBron James never had lost five games in a row because he doesn't do that. He's not about it. And we talked about whether he's going to have to trade Russell Westbrook or he's going to have to trade Anthony Davis or somebody else on the team. I'm not sure if they're going to make any roster moves, but I'll tell you this. Every player on that roster, not LeBron James, is thinking about it tonight, was thinking about it Christmas night when they lost to the Nets. This is a Lakers team. This is why the analytics or the model is wrong. 538 says the Lakers have 20% chance to make the playoffs. That's presuming that the Lakers that have played the last two months resembles anything sort of their potential. I don't think it does from an effort standpoint and definitely not from a strategy, cohesion, X's and O's standpoint. I think there's a lot of meat on this bone, whether that's just not letting Westbrook shoot 20 times in a game. Let's start there. Or how about let's give LeBron in the paint, give LeBron off pick and rolls in the paint in the first quarter and not wait for him to do that in the fourth quarter when the Nets couldn't stop him. They had no one inside that could stop them. These are the type of things that might be taxing, might be difficult for a team to pull together and play 82 games this way, but they're going to play this game this way because they can't lose a sixth straight game. The Houston Rockets, one of the worst teams in basketball, they have 24 losses on the season. And this is how you know that they're a young, immature team. They have two losses by single digits and only one by less than six. That means when they start losing in the fourth quarter, the wheels go off. They have a tendency to unravel when behind, or if they somehow get ahead, we saw this against the Thunder, they surge with some irrational confidence. But when they're behind five or six points, they play like a young team with nothing to lose, and they end up losing by 15. That's why I don't mind at all. Lay in the four and a half, buy price up to five. I see it four and a half at 15 at Bet Online right now. Best bet, Los Angeles Lakers minus four and a half at the Houston Rockets Tuesday night. There you go. Roll with that Pacific division if you want to roll with McKenzie and myself. Lakers, minus four and a half. That's on McKenzie's record. Golden State, minus six. That's on mine. By the way, if you want to roll with both of us, first off, I mean, there's no shame in in making each of our best bets straight up. But, McKenzie, how do you feel about that teaser? Lakers in a pick'em, Golden State minus two? Oh, man. (laughs) We talked about teasers on the last show. And the total actually closed like three points higher than where you teased it at, which shows how teasers may not be the best solution all the time because there's a lot of variability in the market. Teasers reduce that variability. But I tell you this, whether you want to tease or money line parlay, I'm pretty confident the Lakers and Warriors are going 2-0 tomorrow night. So, yeah, sprinkle on it. Yeah, bet take each of our bets individually. You know, put your mortgage on each one. And then whatever you have left over from selling the furniture, yeah, roll that up and parlay it. Moneyline parlay or teaser, either one. I approve. I love it. I, I love it. I think we're going 2-0 and this episode on our best bets. Uh, would be nice after 
you did not cash in on yours last episode. You had to remind the people. (laughs) Sorry to do that to you, man, but I I love it this time around. I love it this time around. Guys, make sure you go follow him on Twitter at Mac and Rivers. Catch me on Twitter at the Joe Serralo and on Instagram at Joe Serralo. For my man, Mackenzie Rivers, this has been episode four of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the NBA edition. I'm Joe Serralo. We're out. Let's make some money. Thank <laughs> you.